very happy Canada Day long weekend to you as we celebrate this wonderful uh, country that we live in. I was a little nervous that when I got up, the band didn't go down. And I was like, this is my solo? Like, this is, like, we're just gonna, surprise. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's Canada Day. Uh, and, you know, uh, what a great country uh, that we, we live in. Uh, Pastor Mark is actually going to be speaking uh, actually to that in just a few moments when he comes and leads us in the word. Uh, but before we get there, uh, let me just go over a couple of announcements with you. Uh, encourage you just to read through your bulletins uh, on your own time and give, just to inform you of the opportunities and the events taking place in the life of our church uh, just coming up in the coming weeks. But I do want to sort of point out a few things in particular. Uh, the first has to do with Refugee Bridge. Uh, we just continue to look for volunteers to add to our list of people uh, just who are willing to help out in just so many different ways in welcoming the Sobuk fa uh, family. Uh, they are fleeing the war in the Ukraine. Uh, we need people to help with, you know, moving maybe once or twice or driving people around to appointments, help showing them how to shop for groceries, like things like that, even just keeping them in prayer. Uh, there's so many opportunities to serve. Uh, if you're interested in helping out, you can contact Lorne. His information uh, is in the bulletin uh, for you to get a hold of that. Uh, we also have a young uh, adults event coming up this Tuesday. Uh, that's July 5th. It's called Cars and Cuisine, uh, which is, I would call it, a long way to go to make a sandwich. Because I think it's a, it's a progressive supper kind of thing where you stop at different places and get different things for your meal. Um, if you want more information on that, it's on the church uh, website calendar. Or you can just show up. Again, it's, uh, they're meeting in the church parking lot. That's this Tuesday, 7 p.m., uh, bring a friend and bring an appetite uh, for those who are the young adults in our church. Also, just with a VBS, a Vacation Bible School, uh, the Summer Games, it's coming up July 11th to 15th uh, for children ages 5 to 11. It's just them learning sports and then playing sports together. Uh, there's a cost of $15 to that. Uh, you can, if you're interested, you can contact the church office. You can speak to Rod. Uh, there's also sort of... Uh, uh, registration sheets available out in the foyer as well. We also want to send a thank you out to the uh, Sinclairs and the Deacons uh, for the team that uh, they just helped us organize the church picnic that we had last Saturday. It was a lot of fun, and even the rain sort of couldn't dampen our enthusiasm just for being together once again. Uh, we also want to extend our condolences this week uh, to Diana uh, Palipa uh, and their family on the passing of Doris. Oh, there's Diane. Uh, our condolences to you uh, on behalf of the church family. We will keep the family in prayer, uh, and there will be a private memorial taking place uh, this week. Uh, but extend your condolences to that family as well. And those are the announcements. Uh, usually we dismiss the kids after I pray. We're not going to do that because they're going to sing O Canada before we do that. You can go after that. But let's just take a few moments to pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this, um, well, this wonderful nation that we get to live in. Uh, as we just sang, for the freedom we have, for the prosperity we have. Uh, Lord, just for, for things that we, we cherish so much, you know, it's, it's a good place to live. And we know others have it so much harder than we do. Uh, but Lord, we pray for our leaders of this country, for the MPs, for the, for the Prime Minister, for the Premiers, for the MLAs, even for the City Councillors. Uh, we know many of them are not believers, but Lord, Lord, your word says we are to pray for them. And your word says even the heart of the King is in your hand. Uh, so, Lord, we pray that they would be good leaders, that they would give us good government, that they would bring peace, they would rule with integrity. Uh, and even, Lord, for our own selves, Lord, may we be, as Christians, a light to this nation. 
as we take with us the, the good news of Jesus Christ um, just into the streets, into our communities, um, into the places where we live. And Lord, we think of this church and just some of the summer activities that are going on. Uh, Lord, for the young adults and their cars and cuisine events and the other ones coming up, we pray that those would be just a lot of fun, but also, Lord, that they would begin to build just such an important community uh, among the young people. We think of the VBS coming up and those kids and the opportunity we have to, to just not only have a lot of fun, but, Lord, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. We pray, Lord, that, uh, yeah, you would be with in all the organizing details, and, Lord, have lots of kids show up. Uh, we pray, too, for the Refugee Bridge as we, Lord, look to, uh, you know, welcome this family from the Ukraine. We pray for the volunteers. We pray, Lord, that, um, that we would understand how important this ministry is as we are welcoming these refugees, these strangers, these foreigners into our land to, to be hospitable uh, and to help them just have a soft landing here in a place that's safe for, for them and their family. And, Lord, it's a Christian family, so, Lord, we just pray that there would be just that... That, that spirit, that one in the bond of love uh, between fellow believers as they come. Lord, we also just, our condolences to the Palipas family and for Diana and her husband. And Lord, we just pray with the loss of Doris that, Lord, you would just be with them in a very special way at this time. That, Lord, you would give them grace and strength uh, together. Uh, Lord, as they, as they mourn the loss of mom. And, Lord, uh, be with them, be with them as they plan the final details at the funeral and all those things that, Lord, uh, Lord, you would just walk with them in a very special way, in a very close way uh, with them during this time. Lord, we think, too, of uh, Jim and Jen Davis. Uh, Lord, heard that Jim is in the hospital and, and just not doing well. So, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would just be merciful to him at this time, which might be end-of-life care. And, Lord, for Jen, that, Lord, you would just be her strength, Lord, as she just walks that very difficult road beside her husband, uh, who has this awful cancer. Lord, support this family in a very special way. And Lord, we think of our service this morning for the worship for Pastor Mark as he's going to come to speak. And even later on as we take communion, we just, just ask that you would be with us in a very powerful, very meaningful way. Uh, Lord, that you would be glorified greatly in all that we do and all that we say. And that, Lord, we would be just drawn closer to you because we are here together as a church body this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you for joining us today. And those of you who are online, we welcome you as well uh, to this uh, Canada service uh, this weekend. Uh, of course, you know, we celebrate uh, what we call Canada Day. It's the anniversary of the Canadian Confederation that occurred on July 1st, 1867. It's really an oversimplification to say that it is Canada's birthday, but, but it's a day of joining of the colonies of Canada, namely Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, into a wider British federation of four provinces, which included Ontario and Quebec. Now, you knew that history, didn't you? I had to learn that when I got my citizenship. <laughs> so on this day, Canada became a kingdom in its own right within the British Empire, commonly known as the Dominion of Canada. 
Uh, I suppose in some way it gave Canada a, a, an increased level of political control and governance over its own affairs. We finally became completely sovereign with the passing of the Constitution Act in 1982, the year I actually came to Canada. They did it on my behalf. <laughs> the title Dominion of Canada was actually suggested by New Brunswick's Sir Leonard Teeley. Telly, Teeley. I didn't say that right, did I? What, what, how do you say that? Tilly, thank you. It's not the same guy that makes the hats, by the way. I did learn that. I don't know, I had a brain block there for a moment. But uh, this guy was reading scripture one day. He was a born-again Christian. And he was inspired by the passage in the Bible found in Psalm 72, 8. This is what it says. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The word dominion is defined as sovereignty or control. And so the dominion of Canada refers to the control that we have over ourselves, that is, politically speaking. And to that end, as you know, at the beginning of a new parliamentary session in the government, the governor general of Canada gives what is called the the speech from the throne, right? And the purpose of the speech is to outline the government's agenda for the coming session of parliament, what priorities they have, uh, what bills they want to pass, and so on. Well, here's the good news, church, is that followers of Jesus Christ have a different throne. That we, we follow a different king, and his name is Jesus. It's a higher throne, and God sits on it. I haven't had the privilege of visiting it yet, but in the parliament building in Ottawa are stained glass windows in the Peace Tower. In the west end, or the east window rather, is displayed Psalm 72, 8, which says, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea. In the south window is displayed Psalm 72.1. Give the kingdom, give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. And then engraved on the arch over the stained glass windows on the west side, it has the verse taken from Proverbs 29.18, where there is no vision the people perish. Other scriptures can be also found in the Peace Tower, such as Ephesians 6, 13, Psalm 139, 8 to 10, Luke 2, 14. Did you know that you can find a total of 25 scriptures in all engraved somewhere in Parliament Hill? You see, as a nation, we indeed have a righteous foundation, And we have all of the language, don't we? We have the scriptures printed in Parliament. But Isaiah the prophet proclaimed in Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13, this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. 
for the most part, even though our roots may have been Christian, we no longer want to be ruled by God. And when I use that word we, I'm talking as a nation as a whole, not necessarily us individually, I hope. We don't want to be ruled by God. We don't want God's dominion anymore. We no longer want God's rule. It seems as if Christians have become, in a sense, a new minority, having to fight for our rights to even survive. As an example, one of many I would offer to you this morning several years ago, you'll remember the government passed a law prohibiting, prohibiting the funding of Christian organizations like ours and others from hiring summer students unless those organizations uh, went against their conscience and signed the document claiming that we believe in abortion which is a pretty hot topic these days, isn't it? With Roe versus Wade falling in the Supreme Court, and now it's raised its head again. We believers believe in the sanctity of life. We, as followers of Jesus, believe that every child is created by God, and we believe in the right for that child to live. On another occasion, a contender for the leadership of the conservative party was disenfranchised from running because he expressed his biblical belief in the truth of created gender, male and female. Some people are even declaring our nation to be a post-Christian nation. You see, we don't want to be shaped by God's dominion. We want to create our own dominion. And we might sing that wonderful anthem, God, keep our land, but really we don't want God to shape our visions. We don't want what is right in God's eyes. And some people are even trying to take that phrase out of our song. It's not that we don't know the truth. It's that we aren't willing to be shaped by the truth. We aren't willing to allow our lives to be submitted to that truth. And today I want to say to you that I believe that God is calling and desiring and wishing for a righteous generation to be raised up to stand for truth to bring back righteousness to our nation, to bring back those foundations of what our country was founded upon, the word of God, God's truth, and prayer. I believe God is calling us to be that kind of people. I believe it starts with the house of God. I believe it starts with us. And I'm going to demonstrate that for you in a moment. Well, let's talk about those religious, righteous God foundations that our country was founded upon. First is our name. We've talked about that a little bit already. Psalm 20, 78, sorry, 72 verse 8 says, May he have dominion from sea to sea. Now, although some of our Bibles 
says at the beginning, I don't know whether yours does or not, but many times there's titles at the beginning of your chapters. And some of our Bibles, Psalm 72 has the title, A a Psalm for Solomon. Linguists agree that the better rendering is of or by Solomon, which is reflected in the ESV from which I'm reading this morning. It's probably a song that was written by David in his older age. It was picked up by Solomon. It was written down. Furthermore, this is a prophetical psalm. Did you know that? Speaking of Jesus, when he comes again and he reigns from his throne. And although this psalm does have in mind um, the heirs of David, who he was praying for, that they might have success in the tasks that God gave them to do, it also looks forward to prophetically to the worldwide reign of Jesus Christ. It looks forward to that. And when we get into the New Testament, we find Jesus, by virtue of his resurrection, has, be, has begun to fulfill that task through us as we share the kingdom, the throne of God throughout the earth. That's the good news. But we don't want God's. But we don't want that. We, we don't want God's rule, do we? The, the world doesn't want God's dominion. Ultimately, Jesus, however, is going to have dominion. Ultimately, he is going to sit on the throne. We're going to hear the speech from the throne, God's throne, one day. When these words were written, it had in mind as far as the land extends. He says from sea to sea. But, but really, he's thinking of the whole world. You see, they were, they were praying for a blessing for the king that, that his reign would be widespread. And we know that that didn't ultimately happen because Solomon, when he took uh, the reins, he had, he had a divided kingdom. But you see, when King Jesus sits on the throne, uh, his rule is going to be from Atlantic to Pacific and around the world. And every other power is going to be subordinate to his power. Sir Samuel Tilley was a born-again Christian, as I mentioned. And, and when he read this verse, he thought to himself, what a splendid name to give Canada. And so he wrote a letter signed by John A. MacDonald explaining to Queen Victoria that the name was a tribute to the principles they earnestly desired to uphold. Oh my. How far as a nation have we fallen from that original desire and prayer? You see, as we continually undermine the values on which our country was built, it's as we decide that we're smarter than God 
or that we just don't need his wisdom in our lives. It's as we legislate him out of all of the spheres of our society. It's as we build a society upon which every man does what is right in his own eyes that we are simply provoking the judgment of God. And that's a pretty sobering thought to say the least because our name proclaims that God should have dominion, but we are slowly taking back the dominion ourselves. I'm painting this picture for you in order to get to the end where I'm going to suggest some things that we can do. The second thing that shows our righteous foundation is our flag. Our flag. Did you know that? Our nation's flag is the only flag in the world that has a leaf on it. You say, so? Long before the arrival of European settlers, Canada's indigenous people had discovered the food properties of maple sap, which they gathered every spring, boiled it down. According to many historians, the maple leaf began to serve as Canada's symbol as early as 1700. But it was in 1867 that Alexander Muir wrote that song. What is it? The Maple Leaf Forever. Some of you need to read the psalm again. It was regarded as the national song for centuries, wasn't it? I just read it recently, I'm sorry to say. It's in the last verse that Muir wrote these words. Our fair dominion now extends from Cape Race to Nootka Sound. By the way, I had to look that up. (laughs) That's from Newfoundland to B.C. May peace forever be our lot and plenty a store abound. And may those ties of love be ours which discord cannot sever and flourish green for freedom's home, the maple leaf forever. Might I suggest that the maple leaf stands for the healing of the nations. Suggested by that phrase, may those ties of love be ours which discourse cannot sever. And even though perhaps we're striving for that and that it doesn't exist totally in every case today, we still have a long way to go. There is coming a day when there will be an ultimate and final healing of the land that we have never been able to, nor will we ever be able to achieve in our lifetime. No matter how many conferences we have, no matter how many peace treaties we sign, no matter how many times we have an accord put together, we're never going to be able to uh, finalize the peace that is going to come when Jesus returns someday. John gives us a bit of a description of the new Jerusalem back in uh, Revelation chapter uh, 22 and verse 2. Let me read for you the description through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the trees where here it is, the healing of the nations. Now, we don't understand that completely. 
But there are going to there is going to eventually be a healing of the nations somehow apparently brought about from the medicinal value of the leaves from these trees. Some commentators and and people who have studied this much more than I have suggest that if this includes part of the millennial reign, the thousand year of Christ on the earth, which I believe in, then maybe those leaves are taken from Jerusalem, which is still suspended over the earth at that point, Maybe those leaves are taken from those leaves in Jerusalem and taken to the people who live on earth, which would coordinate with the longevity that characterizes life in the millennium. We don't know for sure. I'm throwing that out there for your, for your, for your contemplation. But here's another passage that we do know a lot about, and I believe does apply to us today. It's found in 2 Chronicles Chapter 7 and four, verse 14. Let me read that for you. I believe this is a passage that if we truly desire the healing of our land, if we truly desire all that our founding fathers prayed for and desired, I believe this verse is going to help us. Let's read it together. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now I need you to hear this very clearly from me this morning. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are in life today, and no matter what you've done in, in previously in your life, it doesn't matter how far sin has taken you, there's always a way back because of the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross where he died to pay the penalty for our sins. He did the work for us that we could not do for ourselves when he paid for our sins. Something we could never accomplish on our own, Christ did when he died there on that cross. And he forgave us and he won the victory he paid the penalty for us. There's always a way back through Jesus Christ if you'll put your faith and your trust in him. And you know, that's not only true individually, but I believe that's true as a nation, as a country. You know, throughout history, there have been many great revivals that have swept through England and the United States and even Canada at different times. One of those revivals happened in Canada in 1971 in Saskatoon, not far from here. And in that revival, people began turning back to God. They, they were paying off old debts. Young people were, were, uh, were confessing their substance abuse. They were turning their lives around. People were confessing stealing from businesses. They were going back and making retribution, paying back their debt. People were flooding into churches and attending prayer meetings through the night and after the services. And it all started with this verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, when the Satura twins came up 
and began preaching to one church, and one church got right with one another, confessing their sins to one another, bringing unity to that church by one, by, by, through the actions of one church, revival spread throughout the country and in some cases right across to the East Coast. I want us to look at the four actions required if we genuinely want to seek God's healing and forgiveness of our land. First, I want you to notice it begins with an attitude of humility. If my people humble themselves. You see, if we want God to heal our land, if we want God to heal our lives, it starts by being humble before God, humble enough to say, God, I need you. Humble enough to admit that we are useless apart from him. Humble enough to know that we have no wisdom apart from his wisdom. Humble enough to bow the knee to him and say, God, we want you in our lives. Most of the time, we're so independent from God and self-sufficient that we don't need him until disaster strikes, and then all of a sudden, we start talking about prayer. But what if we started by recognizing our weaknesses and sin? What if we started by living in humility before God? What if we started by by admitting our dependence upon God? What if we started by saying, God, I can't do it myself. I need you. Humility. Secondly, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray and pray. You see, prayer is the natural byproduct of humility. Because in prayer, we're declaring our dependence upon God. We're admitting that he is ultimately in control. Some time ago, you'll find it interesting that the Edmonton City Council was facing some kind of issue. I'm not sure what it was. And they asked one of the clergymen of the, of the city to come and pray for the council. In his prayer, the clergyman prayed for wisdom for the council. Later, a guy from the Edmonton Journal came along and interviewed the clergyman and asked about his prayer for wisdom And that was his angle for the article he wrote the next day in the journal. And the headline read, City Council Prays for Wisdom. What a novel concept. Declaring dependence. Asking to be led. Inviting God's guidance and grace. And that's a good step forward, isn't it? But it's not enough. Because next there needs to be a turning away from and a turning towards. There needs to be a turning away from sin, away from unrighteousness, a, 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 away from independence, away from injustice, a, away from oppression, away from greed, and a turning toward the Lord. You see, you can't just pray for wisdom, but you have to be willing to go where the wisdom leads you. There has to be a repentance for what's been done wrong. And that's not just in words. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. 
It's just not signing some kind of a document that's saying, we apologize. Huh, that's not heartfelt. There, there's, there, need, there must be a heartfelt repentance of saying, we're turning away from and we're turning toward. And it's, and it's, and it's more than words. It's an action. It's a walking towards something. That doesn't mean we just feel bad about what's been done wrong. It means resolving to do something different. Think about some of the things that our nation as a whole needs to genuinely repent from. Oh, we've said sorry on a number of occasions, but I don't believe that was genuine repentance. We need repentance in our country, and probably it wouldn't take you very many minutes to think of about a dozen things that we as a country need to repent from. Number one is killing millions of babies every year. (laughs) Number two is our injustice of treating certain people groups in our country. And on and on and on. We need genuine repentance, do we not? Amen, church? Well, let let me get a little bit more uncomfortable What are some things that we individually need to repent from? What do we personally need to repent from and then turn towards God? You see, we need to start with repentance. And then there's the turning part. And and it's then that we start to seek God's involvement in our lives God's involvement in our day-to-day affairs, saying, God, I need you. I'm dependent upon you. I, I want you in my life. I need wisdom and direction. And when we begin to do that, God will begin to heal our lives and he'll begin to heal our land. We might pray that our country and our leaders will turn back to God. But let's remember that it begins with the household of God. Those who know him and yet have in many ways been walking independent from him. Let me just mention one more indication of our foundation as a nation. How about our crest? You see a picture of it there. The motto is in Latin. You probably can't see it from where you're at. But it literally means from sea to sea, taken from Psalm 72, the passage we've been talking about. Speaking of Jesus having dominion from sea to sea all over the world. This might be a reference, by the way, to the promised boundaries of Israel when they entered the land. uh, Taken from Exodus 23, 31, where it says, From the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, which is the Mediterranean Sea. But essentially, it was an empire that was worldwide. And our founding fathers had a vision of Canada being ultimately under the dominion, the rule of Jesus Christ from Atlantic to Pacific. That was the dream. That was the prayer. That was the desire of our founding fathers. You see, our nation has a Christian foundation but that which we have largely forsaken today. John Cabot planted a cross on Newfoundland shore in 1497, declaring for God and for England. 
1533, Jacques Cartier sailed up the St. Lawrence River to Montreal. To commemorate the founding of the city, he wrote in his diary, quote, We all kneeled down in the company of the Indians and with our hands raised toward heaven, yielded our thanks to God. Today, Quebec is amongst one of the least Christian provinces in Canada and in the world. This year, we celebrate the 155th anniversary of Confederation. We also celebrate the 405th anniversary of Quebec City, founded in 1608 by Samuel du Champlain. How was my French? Was that pretty good? (laughs) Who, by the way, quote, came to share God's love with the First Nations people. Our national anthem declares, God, keep our land glorious and free. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. But we have not stood on guard for our nation, and wickedness abounds. It was Edmund Burke who said, all that is necessary for evil to prosper is that enough good men do nothing. What do we do? Are we doomed? Are we hopeless? Is there anything we can do about it? Yes, there is. We need to begin to pray for our nation and its leaders. These were the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy in in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He writes to him, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You see, we are in a spiritual battle. This is not a human battle. We might, we might want to blame somebody. We wanna, might want to blame the premier, premier or the, the prime minister or some government leader or, or some group. But this is not about blaming people. We are in a spiritual war and we are not going to win this war with words and with riots and with signs and, and with guns. But we're going to win this war on our knees. This is how we win a spiritual battle. It begins by praying, and I challenge you to pray for your government leaders. Pray for various groups that are, that are working in our country to make it a better place. Pray that God will have his way in their lives. Secondly, we need to possess the gates of influence. Let me explain that to you. In the Old Testament, gates were a place of influence. They included any and every avenue which, by which a generation's mindset, cultural values, and moral standards are determined. And while our society is attempting to shift this generation's mindset, redefine our cultural values and denigrate our moral standards, we, as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, can stand as gatekeepers. How do we do that? By teaching truth according to God's standard. 
by helping our children to distinguish truth from the world's lies. Sometimes by lovingly challenging, challenging those who are attempting to overthrow God's standards in order to practice sin. I'm not talking about riots. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about lovingly calling forth the truth, uh, praying, uh, standing uh, against those who are challenging God's truth instead of simply passively sitting by and saying, oh, whatever will be, will be. We have an obligation. We need to continue to pray. We need to possess the gates of influence. That means when our children come home from their secular classroom, and sometimes our Christian classrooms now, we need to say, what did you learn today? And then correct the wrongs that have been taught. We, we need to do that in the home. It's not the They want to tell you it's the, that it's the institution that is going to be training your children, but it's not. They want to be, but, but, but it's the home that trains the children. And that's where truth prevails. And that's where we are on our knees before God, lifting our children before him and training them in the truth. That's why it's important to, to, to have them exposed to truthful places, places where they can find truth. Our Sunday school classes and our youth groups and, and places where they are surrounded by other children who are being taught the truth as well. We need to be possess the gates. We need to redefine in, 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 in their culture's minds truth from the world's lies. And finally, we need to be a people of unity. Psalm 133.1 is one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. Listen to what it says. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. You see, we need to be unified as a church and unified as a nation. French and English and First Nations and all of the other cultures that come into our, into our great country. We have many of those cultures in our church, which is awesome. This is the church. The church gathered. And we need to be a unified church. We need to demonstrate that to a disunified world. This is how brothers dwell. This is how God created us to dwell amongst one another. Isn't it awesome when we can get together with a church picnic or a social in our small groups and, and we can be five different cultures and yet dwell together in unity and love amongst one another. I just love it. It's how the church is supposed to be. It's how God designed it. And yet we have torn it apart by our sin. God, keep our land glorious and free. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we celebrate the 155th anniversary of the confederation of our country, we feel sorrow and remorse for how our country has walked away from its Christian roots and has increasingly been fighting for its own independence from you and its own dominion. We feel sorrow. 
we ask your forgiveness. We pray that you will help those of us who follow you as our Lord and Savior, as the one who holds dominion in our lives, to help us, Lord. Help us to be able to stand for your truth in the midst of a godless, dark generation. We pray that the light of Jesus will shine bright through us so that those who see it will be drawn to you. We pray for our government leaders, both federally and provincially, that you will turn their hearts toward you, realizing that all their efforts to rule are futile without your guiding hand. May we once again be a dominion guided by you, a light to the nations, a nation who prospers because of your blessings on us. Forgive us our sins as we seek you and turn from our wicked ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise for our last worship song.